Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a pseudo-special edition of Mixed Nonfiction. Today we are celebrating a fake holiday for man-children, 420. This is a very important day. We're talking Eric Slosher, his second time on the show. Another one. With his book, Reefer Madness. Yeah, technically it's a non-existent holiday. Meanwhile, there's a gathering of the juggalos outside the Denver Justice Building every 420. You don't see anyone gathering out there on President's Day, and that's technically a federal holiday. Hashtag blaze it. Hashtag happy birthday Hitler. Today's show is really about American black markets. For as much I'm going to come off as the classical stoner dude, the American underground is a $50 billion a year industry. Everybody's trying to get their hands in the honey pot. I'm going to come off as Cheech Chong, whoever you want to pick, Harold Kumar. I'm trying to get Chinese-eyed today. Let's get higher than the moon, my man. I got that banana kush, that Afghani Durban, the Gorilla Guru 94, fucking diesel, government weed. The gayest thing I think about pot is that it makes some people a vegetarian. The point of today's show I'm trying to get across, I could put whatever I want in my body, be it steak, sativa, or salvia. None of this mandates. <laughs> I love earth and all. You guys really think 420 is more of a Earth Day than Arbor Day? How are we going to tax people who love trees? Let's commercialize 420. Stoners are so greedy they have oil day as well. Have you ever heard of this? <laughs> On 710, if you turn that date upside down, it spells out oil. So that's technically dab day. To get a hold of the black market, mainstream businesses always copy the models of the mafia. This is another culture that was once cool, becoming commercialized. Have you been watching the documentaries about the Gambino family? They're coding phone scams. Hey, your refrigerator's running. If you don't catch it, I'll break your knees. <laughs> Mafia suck now. Today's book focuses on three American industries that was originated by the mob. Moonshining, pot as well, porn, and people. Immigration. Pot started in American society as a farm staple. You know, our founding fathers smoked that shit. When did this all get twisted around? The 1930s with reefer madness. You're going to get the William Randolph Hearst story today. And in 2020, you got places like Seattle who cannot compete with the black market. They are closing down their dispensaries. You, you can never beat the plug. Plug walk. Enterprise always wins. I found out that my mechanic was dealing weed on the side. Now he's my spark plug. <laughs> Recently, a janitor at my work asked me to come over and smoke weed with her. I told her, no, I can't stand high-maintenance women. One more? What do you think? Another one. What's the difference between weed and pussy? If you could smell weed from across the room, you know it's good shit. Cannabis. It was once used as a tool for spiritual breakthrough. It is now a personality for teenagers, along with Rick and Morty. <laughs> Porn, we're going to talk a lot about. It's America's latest addiction. Kids get addicted to anal gaping before they have their first kiss. What's a teenage fish's favorite website? Prawn Hub. You know what once was like a chore, going to a smut store, hiding your face and buying some disgusting media it couldn't be any easier this shit is in your pocket 
We're going deep on that in the final topic, immigration. Joe Biden's offering people $400,000 if they come to the border. Things are changing pretty quick. The happiness of mankind, Adam Smith wrote, seems to have been the original purpose intended by the author of nature. It's a God-given right to be happy. Even though nature's mostly suffering, Adam Smith says I can smoke whatever the hell I want, so I'm going to. <laughs> the Ten Commandments don't say a goddamn thing about drugs. It's not like our brains were made with cannabinoid receptors or anything. <laughs> and it's illegal. Porn, weed, prostitutes, they're all addictive. Going to be a big through linchpin today. What do you do if you're addicted to seaweed? Sea kelp. <laughs> Let's get a deeper look at the black markets. We'll do that right after a word from our sponsors. Welcome back about the author Eric Slosher. Definitely be checking out those memes if you are token on that reefer. It's going to make you giggle extra hard. Eric Slosher, we've done him once. This is a short one. This guy has done an interview for Super Size Me. That's where you might have seen him before. He's been ahead of the curve on Food Fugazi for a long time. Even though his dad was a high up at NBC, he had to self-publish Fast Food Nation. It's because of the subject matter. It's a little too touchy. In 2003, he had to publish again for himself Reefer Madness, and they are back-to-back bestsellers. That's kind of unheard of in the world of books to self-publish two times, sell over 10,000 copies. The U.S. GDP is like 10% porn and weed. It's the whole big thing of this book. And, uh, yeah, you're not allowed to write books about that. (laughs) He also wrote a book called Command and Control. It's all about illusions of safety. So Slosher, he might have to hit the three-peat. Another one. What do you call it when someone suggests a strain of weed to you? A reference. <laughs> Gonna be right back to start this bitch right after a word from our sponsors. Ladies and gentlemen, Reefer Madness by Eric Slosher, Chapter 1. Reefer Madness. Marijuana, a vicious racket with its arms around your children. Still think it's funny to smoke pot? <laughs> Little bit. Slosher starts. In the state of Indiana, a person convicted of armed robbery will serve about six years in prison. Someone convicted of rape will serve about eight. And a convicted murderer can expect to spend 25 years behind bars. He drags out this story about an Indiana ganja farmer. Mark Yu was his name. He had a cannabis cachet, a whopping 700 pounds. He never distributed or sold, so he can't get in trouble. Two men posing as townsfolk offered to buy some from Mark. Unfortunately, they were spooks, ops, undercovers. Mark was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Surprised they didn't give him 200 years. I like when they do that, the symbolic slamming of the gavel. So you get eight years for rape, and you go (laughs) away for life. They throw away the keys if you have pot. Slosher is asserting his first point for the book. There are more people in prison today for violating marijuana laws than at any other time in American history. About 20,000 inmates in the federal prison system have been incarcerated primarily for a marijuana offense. So it's legal 50 miles away in that state. Too bad. You're going to jail for life. (laughs) It shows you we don't have a justice system. We've got a legal system. I know I'm going to sound like John Locke today as well. Maybe I should just go sooner we got to stand for some morals out here. (laughs) You're telling me when you cross state lines, it's okay to change your morals? You see how none of American law makes sense? 
the madness hasn't ended in terms of incarceration. Like, it, we've had some small wins here and there. Smell is no longer a probable cause. Did you see Texas just pass that one? So, like, <laughs> even in states where it's legal, now you can catch 20 years because a cop thinks he smelt something. Your Honor, my legal defense is as follows. Whoever smelt it, dealt it. <laughs> this is bullshit. Like, what if a skunk sprayed your car? Too bad, you're going to prison for 20 years. Quote, the phrase war on drugs evokes images of Colombian cartels and inner city crack addicts. In many ways, that is a misconception. Marijuana is and has been for the most widely used illegal drug in the United States. It is used more frequently than all other illegal drugs combined. This is a war on the people. If we're talking about society and John Locke, if everyone does a substance, it's not a drug. You know, coffee is a psychoactive substance with a half-life of 12 hours. Well, what are you talking about? That's not a drug. Everyone does coffee. You know, if everyone does it, is it really a drug? If everyone's doing pot secretly, you're kind of declaring war on the people. War on the drugs? What's the difference? The people are the drugs. You're cutting out the middleman. <laughs> Here's a democratic idea. Why don't we take a vote on the war on drugs? <laughs> Oh yeah, never mind. We're living under puritanical authoritarianism. The 1970s penalties were reduced as an aftermath of the counterculture movement. That's what he was saying. But in the 1980s, Reagan revamped all of that shit. So it goes back and forth. I wouldn't be surprised if we see more prohibitions in our lifetime. It's a bit of a bureaucratic mess since the 1970s. So let's get some objective history. Quote, Marijuana has been cultivated for at least 5,000 years. It is one of the oldest agricultural commodities not grown for food. The stalks on the plant contain fibers that have been woven for millennia to make rope, canvas, and paper. It was used by most people through most of history. You see why I'm saying that this is a human thing? You're making anti-human laws out here. It's the same person who's going to go home and chug a bottle of ibuprofen. So you could take your synthetic bullshit but I can't for 5,000 years have a joint. <laughs> I got to say this up front. I allegedly grew weed and I had some really good seasons and you know, separate the male, the female plants. I'm not going to give you the whole lesson, but those fibers are strong. There's videos. They used to build the first Ford uh, bumpers out of cannabis fibers. This is a super plant. You can make paper out of it. You can make clothes out of it. No, nah, it's illegal to this day. China has wild weed plants growing 20 foot tall in the countryside. And of course, it's punishable by death if you roll up a joint. 800 BC, Slosher said China used to make weed wine. In order to be an empire with as much authoritarian control as China, you gotta outlaw these mind-expanding chemicals. It's that book, uh, The Closing of the American Mind. <laughs> All empires undergo this process. Alcohol, statistically more dangerous. What's the justification? This is illogical. Our legal system, <laughs> like corporations care more about politics than money. I just made a jump there, but why are corporations acting anti-business? Why is the law acting anti-justice? Everything's upside down. I don't know what the answer is for you. Slosher study showed a quote here. 
a cigarette seems to deliver four to five times as much carcinogenic tar as marijuana cigarettes of the same size. Wait, I'm trusting the science, guys. They care about my health. Cigarettes make you skinny. I'm still watching science from the 1970s. <laughs> you know, trial data has to be confidential for 75 years. It isn't just the government doesn't care about your health. According to Slosher's study there, they care five times more about money than your health. If I had a dollar for every carcinogen the FDA ignores, <laughs> if there's no logic, whether it's the legal system or a corporation not advertising on Tucker Carlson because politics, but there's money there. I thought you're a business. Anti-law, anti-business. If there is no logic, the only conclusion is that someone is getting power off of this. You're throwing away money? Okay, well, you must be getting power somehow. In the 1930s, this man, I have your answer for you, is William Randolph Hearst. Him and Klaus Schwab, I want to take them in a triple threat tables, ladders, and chairs match. Fuck these guys. They altered history for the worst. In the 1930s, this trust fund, William Randolph Hearst, he was bankrupt by all the local cannabis farmers because they could produce more paper faster. He was an heir to the uh, uh, printing press. So Hearst owned one of the news things in New York, and he put out this propaganda saying that, you know, weed, it makes Mexicans rape white women. And then FDR saw it and was like, I like the work that you're doing over there, William. They combine on a campaign, swing lawmakers into voting against weed, make it illegal. And that starts the whole hippie uh, reefer madness thing. And what I'm trying to say here is FDR went in on this because hippies and black people weren't voting for him. So you're seeing it now. How do you change the Overton window? Like, I don't like your behavior. I can't just change your behavior because you won't listen to me. What do I do? You slowly change the landscape of society to make it so only the conformists are law-abiding. You know, <laughs> you don't want to take experimental injections. Now you can't have a job. It's the same government encroachment in a different way. I don't know, man, big motivation for Nixon in the 1970s to schedule it as Category 1. You know this, it's the same level as heroin. <laughs> Tell me where the science is on that. I'm telling you, I grew this shit in the critical growth period. You're not able to make paper or clothes with cannabis. So, <laughs> literally, like, you don't even get the flower, the bud out of it. It's solely to keep the money in the paper industry and with the press. The history of American industry is like a board game of Monopoly. It's not about making good partners. It's about <laughs> persecuting your political opponents. And William Randolph Hearst fucking pearled the game of Monopoly. Seriously, you can't play fair. Steal from your clients. Persecute. Early 1900s, there was a Coke and Coca-Cola. Farmers sold weed water. People were constantly fucked up on the Western Front. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't have authentic frontier gibberish if it weren't for all this. What tarnation? Give me my double X juice. Those people were drinking porn. <laughs> you know, the frontiersmen and their whiskey. This is part of, you're allowed to do whatever you want through all the 1800s. You know, if you like to go outside, <laughs> any sort of substance is like a... Uh, performance enhancer at that point 
people are drinking their craft brews on the top of 14,000 foot peaks getting fucked up as a part of American culture the industrialists know this and so that's how you can sell people their serotonin find out what they like make it illegal and then profit off of it or just send them to prison and profit off of private prisons Slosher, he's dropping like gems of stories here. That Al Young guy with 700 pounds of weed. In the 1980s, Quaalude dealers with several ODs on their hands would get off with a slap on the wrist. And meanwhile, the guy selling pot to geezers would go away for life. Saying, more of this political persecution. I made this point before, but I think it's hilarious. <laughs> We get our grandparents addicted to opium and just shove them into warehouses. You know, probably better ways we could be dealing with this. Let's just give them all lewds. Going to jump forward here. I think the first one is the longest chapter of the lot. Slosher says, Take a map of the United States and draw a circle including within its circumference Indiana, Illinois, and Michigan with portions of Ohio to the east, Kentucky, and Tennessee to the south, Missouri, Ohio, and Nebraska to the west. According to Steve White, the region within that circle produces most of the marijuana grown in the United States. What? So you think it's all out west on the Golden Coast, man, that Maui Wowie. It's actually grown in the boonies in the middle of the country, Ohio, Kentucky. I know today Colorado has the biggest indoor grow house. I don't know what you do with that information. The quote kind of makes sense. Just as many people on the East Coast as the West Coast are getting high. But Beast Coast is a very prude culture. <laughs> he was saying how weed millionaires are actually treated like humans out West. Where on the East, it's like... You have to sell booze. You're not being part of society. Go make money off of weed. They don't really judge you that hard when you're in Cali. I don't know, man. The person holding a five-finger scotch pour is the first one to judge you, usually. <laughs> no double standards here. Weed was voted legal in my home state, New Jersey. But the fucking emperor, I mean Governor Murphy, he's taken it in his own hands to block the building of dispensaries. It's, uh... Definitely not justice or democracy. <laughs> the law clearly doesn't respect what we vote for. Why should we respect the law? You're going to have to ask someone else for that answer. The weed bubble is, I think, retracting, kind of. Colorado still produces like $300 million years, dollars a year in pot tax. And all of that goes towards education. But it's leveled out at that $300 million. Like, you see the Zoomers aren't as into it. Eric Slosher's talking more incarceration. I don't know, man. <laughs> I think the next black market is going to be spore trading. The weed bubble's kind of over. We might be due for a psychedelic revolution. No one's <laughs> eating up the bullshit anymore. We're looking for bigger answers than a goddamn joint weed game. It's being taxed out, I'm saying. Over in Seattle, people are going back to their dealers. Now is the time people become a mushroom millionaire. I've been offering on the show to send prints to you. <laughs> Telling you the prohibition's coming on that. All the politicians, it's not where... And it's, I, I'm not trying to scare you. Like, weed was legal in the 1800s. It's because nobody cared. And now that mushrooms are finally getting popular enough and enough cultural talking about, it's going to be came after politically. It sucks. It's really a crime against humanity. That's what a lot of this is about.
getting towards the middle part of the chapter. Slosher, more of the end. He's saying Proposition 20 passed in states X, Y, and Z, and the legal happenstances are relevant when a tyrant can make executive orders. <laughs> this shit is, we're talking in terms of weed, but the government can seize your bank account. You know what I'm saying? If there's an emergency all the time, why do we even have a constitution? You're living in a feudal kingdom. <laughs> what people aren't realizing is, I don't know, man. Another quote. One of the greatest ironies of American drug policy is that anti-drug laws have tended to become most punitive long after the use of drug peak has peaked. Drug use has peaked. It's exactly what I just fucking said. It's not that popular. So they're going to wait until mushrooms blow up and then put you in prison. It's bullshit, man. It destroys their argument. If you actually cared about our health, you'd be doing something now. Yada yada arguments you've heard for the past two years. These doomers, I'm trying to say this is a bigger point. They don't fetishize weed as much. And Eric, <laughs> he's right. This cyborg Generation Z, they kind of are the lamest group of humans to ever exist. These kids are never going to go to sleep and wake up in a stranger's bed. Can you take an antigen test before you come over? Wait, you're not trans? Another generation is going to come along and rediscover how getting high in the woods... It's more fun than browsing you porn. So I'll touch on this again later, but I think the kids are more addicted to sexuality and porn than they are drugs right now, which is a fucking new frontier. They've got their own addictions for sure. And of course that quote, what was it saying? People are using it less. Why are the penalties increasing? <laughs> Fuck you, that's why. Because the judicial system hates you. It's built to incarcerate, not rehabilitate. I'm a criminal justice major. The state needs harsh penalties on the book so that it can make plea bargaining easier for itself. All this legal shit loses people. We got another good quote at the end. Marijuana is less toxic than many common foods. <laughs> Denying cancer patients, AIDS patients, and paraplegics access to a potentially useful medication that's safer than most legally prescribed drugs is vindictive and inhumane. Legalize it. Our food is more poisonous than cannabis. <laughs> no one's out here dying of weed cancer. Holy shit. I have lost relatives to fake food heart disease. Can't, nobody's dying of weed. I've made the joke. <laughs> Eventually there's going to be a black market for food. Pfizer is saying that they want to put mRNA therapy in our lettuce. Ah, what? I thought these were shots that you have to inject this new mRNA technology. They're going to put this pixie dust in your fucking food. I'm not even joking, people. I am going to have to go to GNC to buy my lettuce and my devil's lettuce and my meats and my fucking greens. The war on drugs <laughs> is uh, it's the war on food. Like, uh, it's all the war on drugs, this reefer madness, the whole point. It's to get you into thinking dealers are evil. The only person you could trust is... I've watched so many documentaries about literally Pfizer saying they want to get into the weed game. Fuck that, I'm out. <laughs> reefer madness was there to get us into mass formation psychosis. It's still working. No joke. Let's get a random soundboard. Oof. Oof. 
that's how I feel about that chapter also. Number two, in the strawberry fields. Strawberry fields, my blood has congealed. And nothing to get hung about. I'm dying of myocarditis. Slosher starts this one. Just before the sunrise, farm workers appear on the streets of Guadalupe, California, emerging from their small houses, backyards, sheds, basements, and garages when they spend the night. The men wear straw cowboy hats or baseball caps, windbreakers on this cool morning, sneakers and ragged work clothes. The women have scarves and bandanas wrapped over their hair, hung around their necks, tied across their tits. That's not what he said, but you get he's drawn a picture of the Southern California stewberry fields. Our producers of produce they're illegal immigrants <gasps> call ice your labor isn't good enough for corporations they need to ship in illegal people to pay them pennies on the dollar that's a bigger point <laughs> you know if dole doesn't have hawaii to imperialize and turn into a banana republic they will ship in immigrants or turn a blind eye to these corporations so they can produce more stewberries governments do this too they won't pay a fucking able-bodied man to stitch the military uniforms. Instead, they make inmates do it for pennies on the dollar. Business. Who cares about a living wage? My point isn't that, like, we should run out these immigrants for the chapter. Why don't we send them up to Humboldt County, North Cal, have them start growing the cash crops? Now I'm saying? Slosher said in the early 1970s, there were about 600 acres of strawberries in the Santa Maria Valley. Today, there are about six times that amount. Two-thirds of these employees are illegal immigrants. So we're all eating our strawberries off of the slave labor of immigrants. <laughs> Sharecropping is back, bitches. Interesting quote here. Nearly every fruit and vegetable found in the diet of a health-conscious, open-minded consumer is still picked by hand. Every head of lettuce, every bunch of grapes, every avocado, peach, and plum. As the demand for those foods has risen, so has the number of workers necessary to harvest them. Duh! There's literally not enough food for everyone to eat healthy, is my point. There's enough loafs and peanut butter. Dude... Turn this off if you like peanut butter. But the biggest ingredient in peanut butter is Crisco. I didn't know if you knew that. (laughs) You're eating gobs of fucking pan grease. Wild. Yeah, so there's definitely not enough fruits and vegetables for everyone to eat healthy. The population size that we're at now, you need a lot of these motherfuckers on mac and cheese. That's why steak's so expensive. (laughs) Instead of, like, subsidizing soybeans as Bill Gates is should probably be growing more cattle and steer. Nah, he's putting mRNA in our lettuce. Ready to have your world turned upside down? This is a wild quote. A strawberry field, it's not a beautiful sight. It lacks the charm and character of a citrus grove, an apple orchard, or even a cornfield. Strawberries now begin and end in plastic. Before planting, an entire strawberry field is sealed with plastic sheeting and injected with methyl bromide, a chemical brew that kills harmful microbes and nematodes. The Beatles songwriter should have been fired. Orange orchards forever. It doesn't have the same ring to it. I'm dying of myocarditis. That one was a bop. (laughs) Nematodes, microbes. You guys get the point. They spray a bunch of bromide and bullshit on our food. Slosher actually called this subsection of the book the new servitude. 
this farm has a net negative on the environment and so blah 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 there was this guy named Philippe he was $50,000 in debt to coyotes they smuggled him across the border and they knew that he wasn't going to be able to pay them back on a strawberry salary this is predatory lending the mafia you can't pay us back so we're going to give you a home loan in 2008 that we know you can't afford that same thing is happening right now with small business loans predatory lending the mafia did it now the government loves it slosher he isn't being hyperbolic with his assessment this is the same model as post-slavery sharecropping i blew the lead on that one slosher is right <laughs> benjamin from the supermarket book told us the way that we pay our uh, truck drivers they aren't able to save a dollar how are these people any different than slaves he's going the people at dole aren't directly accountable for hiring the illegals they're completely unaware so it's pretty well compartmentalized quote felipe sometimes received seven five or one dollar for his boxes on other days the commission merchant sold hundreds of boxes of felipe's berries they need a union California's Department of Agriculture made these findings. Agmart Produce has stopped doing business in this state. Felipe told Slosher, my people are locked into dependence. How is that? <laughs> Why don't you just lock yourself into chains? If I start saying prisoner, maybe that will make more sense. You're locked into dependence. Yeah, you're not a slave, but you're a prisoner. What the fuck, people? <laughs> well, I'm not. I was able to advance my career. If you can only move your career forward or, whoa, you moved your career diagonal, how empowering. If you can't move backwards, you are a pawn. Do you get my comparison? You're on the treadmill of a career. You're not even a knight or a rook. <laughs> Moving forwards doesn't make you free. Rising the corporate ranks. I'm a free man. Death of a salesman. Great play. Even when you ascend to like a position where you can profit off of the sharecropping, you're relying on the misfortune of others. It's the most unethical prison that has ever been allowed by civilization. Holy shit, man. How do managers sleep at night? <laughs> Decentralization, that's the word of the day. Uh, you probably think I sound like a communist too, because bosses suck cock. I'll stand behind that. A communist <laughs> is not going to rally for capitalism. Like a commie would say every weed store should be a state dispensary. That's what we have socialist weed. <laughs> My idea here is to say, let's put the markets back in the people's hands. I think you guys get the point for the chapter. Slosher, he's, yeah, tell us more about plaque markets instead of strawberry fields, please. Why did the slave go to college? To pick up his master's degree. <laughs> Chapter 3, Rise of an Empire. President Calvin Coolidge says, The chief business of the American people is business. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a tautology there. Okay, Buddha. What is it exactly? The business? The, it's business. We do nothing as a nation. We don't produce anything. America is the world's consumer. I guess we do distribute arms. But what Slosher is getting at here is now you are growing into an empire that is producing nothing. 
tell me this quote from the 1920s doesn't sound exactly like 2020. Many of the social and economic trends of the past two decades seem remarkably similar to those described in Frederick Lewis Alice's classic history 1920s only yesterday. The sex scandals, stock swindles, celebrity murder trials, the youthful hedonism, religious fundamentalism, the big bull market, thriving black markets, fondness of literary irony, and political apathy of that era have strong contemporary echoes. The names and details may have changed, but the headiness seems uncannily familiar. The only thing that's missing in that list was pedophilia and the metaverse. <laughs> the way we build our empire is on smut and vice. That's the way it's always been. And I guess for America, it's winning wars as well. That's not the point of the book today. We love you, you exploit the black markets, control the trades, and that's how you become an empire. Another memorable presidential quote, 1996 Bill Clinton, the era of big government has ended. <laughs> Couldn't be more wrong with that one. The whole world has to be part of medical trials. Sloshers pointed out that, big quote, before the Enron Corporation collapsed, it had been created 900 subsidiaries overseas, 692 in the Cayman Islands, 119 Turks and Quesos, 43 in the Maldives. So Coolidge is saying the <laughs> business of Americans is business. It's fake business. Enron created 600 different companies to do the same thing before it was destroyed. And they said Cayman Islands. That's where my I used to do bank accounts. People were scary rich. Deep American history quote. This one's going to give more context. Alexander Hamilton's report on manufacturers and early an early blueprint for Americans commercial development praised Smith's thoughts on specializations but ignored his faith in the free market. On the contrary, Hamilton urged the federal government to play an activist role in creating an urban industrial society. I'm pulling an Adam Smith here saying that markets should be independent from governing. Hamilton, who all the fucking musicals are made about, who's on the money, he wants to intertwine economies with urban culture. It's a crude dichotomy I'm painting from the 1700s, but you see what people from history get put on pedestals <laughs> and what message that aligns with in today's world. Slosher, he's talking about the continued mercantilism pushed after the Civil War. And, you know, like Carnegie Steel blew up because they were able to specialize. But then they bought up all the other people who specialized, and that's how fucking monopolies are made. Honestly, Big Pharma is the newest monopoly. They're trying to centralize cannabis underneath this. As I'm saying, it's going to be, do you want Pfizer Indica or Moderna Sativa, Pepsi or Coke? You go to a dispensary nowadays, and there's... All these millionaire strains, the Milky Way, the Durban, whatever the fuck you want. We might live to see authoritarian weed. Because it already is kind of socialist. <laughs> this is too political of a chapter. Got a bigger quote towards the end. My own views tend toward a suspicion of all absolute theories and a strong belief in thought that knows its limits. I like the idea of fewer laws, strictly enforced. The enormity of today's underground reveals the extent to which American society has become alienated and at odds with itself. 
like a personality beginning to decompose. The harness of our marijuana laws and the frequency with which they are broken are a symptom of this larger problem. Almost everyone would agree murder is a crime that ought to be severely punished, but the morality of marijuana prohibition is so much more open to distribute and the drug is openly without obvious harm. Like, the more people are alienated by laws, the more they disrespect the entire system. It's the authoritarian conundrum I brought up before. How do I get people to listen to me that don't want to listen to me? Every podcaster is an authoritarian. <laughs> it's like Trudeau. How do I get these people to listen to me who fucking don't like when I wear blackface? Tie this into the legal thing from before. I can't inflict my morals onto you, so I'm going to inflict my laws onto you. <laughs> the point of the criminal justice system isn't to help people. It's to standardize behavior. And weed isn't hurting anybody. I say it's pretty immoral <laughs> to say it is when you're butt-chugging vodka. People have different morals. That's why you're not supposed to trespass against one another. Government is out here literally defying God. If you're childish enough to believe in such a thing as God, right? Because we're all scientists, atheists. We just end this chapter on a quote. How do you build an empire? You lie through unnecessary laws. Use corporate greed in tandem with government to create monopolies on steel and telecommunication. Slosher's not accusing anybody of <laughs> doing that behind the scenes. But if you were to create an empire, we're on track. Chapter 4, Fall of an Empire. There's only five chapters today. This one starts. Got a quote connecting sex and drugs. Gary W. Potter, now a professor of criminal justice and police studies, found that adult bookstore employees were quite helpful in referring interested customers to local drug dealers, prostitutes, bookies, and fences for stolen goods. Maybe that's where I pivot long term. I open an adult bookstore. <laughs> Call it Nick's Nude Fiction. <laughs> People say, well... Even if cocaine is easier on the body than caffeine, people say this, how would I get my hands on it, right? I'm not, what? Yeah, if, even if cocaine is healthier, how am I going to put it in my coffee every morning? What you do is go to your sketchiest bar in town, a really dirty dive, and find the weirdest looking guy, ask him who his dealer is. If he doesn't have one, ask him who his friend's dealer is. Like, uh... <laughs> The whole point of this uh, chapter, the whole point of the book is black markets, and they thrive during the collapse. I go to Zanzibar, downtown Denver. It was on Bar Rescue. <laughs> it's in collapse. This is where you could get your bars of Zan. Literally, at one end of the bar, there's a guy dealing coke. You do the knock, and you watch him hand shit to people underneath the bar. And on the other side, there's like a biker type of people. It seems like there's two different gangs both slinging yayo. Next door, you got the lovely Scruffy Murphys. Tuesday nights, Derek Walton, come on out. Did humor exist during the Industrial Revolution? <laughs> We're talking about collapses and black markets. Where do you go to buy your jokes? Slosher, he's going to talk about the SWAT raids for this chapter, so more of the shit that's going to bore you. Justice for Breonna Taylor. You're not allowed to shoot black people in their own home. 
Quote, the easiest part of tax evasion, however, is failing to report income. If you bury the money that's been skimmed in your backyard and never touch it, the odds are you'll never get caught. The hard part, Rosfender knew, is finding a way to spend that unreported income safely, laundering money and gaining its use without disclosing its origins. SWATs are going to try to raid you if they know you got the money on you. What you got to do is <laughs> drive two hours away from the nearest civilization, have a GPS, bury it five feet deep. That's your money, I'm saying, in waterproof containers. Go back to civilization. Get the coordinates tattooed on your arm. That's the only way your money is going to be safe from the feds. SWAT raids, a real-ass thing. The pharma industry is going to fucking steamroll everybody who's been like, paving the way for the drug industry the way this ties in i'm saying denver they do bag drops still if you own a weed uh, store you're not allowed to put your money in federal banks <laughs> it's so dumb they're asking people to get robbed well it's federally illegal so there's a, like you hear about it it's the wild west people intercept the garda trucks every fucking week it's millions of weed dollars floating around that all of this, like, people now feel comfortable going to a dispensary to buy marijuana. All of this is being set up so that Pfizer Indica can come in and take over the dispensaries because there's going to be a new law that happens. It's a uh, very long, the long game. You got to start thinking. Like, that's exactly what happened with booze. It's suspect that the president made alcohol illegal on purpose because the mafia was in his pocket. And then look at that, it's illegal again, and you have to have an ABP certificate to sell alcohol. You know what I'm saying? It's just making it so it's standard and then you can put a QR code on everybody's phone. It's the monkey's trick. I don't know how else to put these proverbs. And the perversion is growing. I don't know, man. Look into the CIA funds MindGeek. I'm trying to start talking about porn. They fund MindGeek, who owns X Videos and Pornhub, which are the two biggest sites on the internet. Pornhub made it to 50 million users before any other website in human history. No way! Another vice used against us? <laughs> Wait, you're telling me hardcore pornography isn't good for me? If we're talking about the collapse of empires here... <laughs> Watching men spill blood on sand, the Colosseum, that was a much better outlet for aggression than unlimited gaping in your pocket. What are we doing? Slosher had an angle of this on his own. David Alexander Scott, a Toronto psychologist whose work greatly influenced the commission, argued that organized crime had entered the porn business in order to market the idea that deviance is not deviant. Hey, Mies Commission, <laughs> the words have meaning. What the fuck is this? Deviance actually is deviant. I hate this fucking newspeak that people try to sound smart with. This is the point I made before. Is coffee a drug? Well, everyone does it, so it's not. This is a psychoactive substance. You are doing drugs. What are we doing, people? Words follow the meaning of words. <laughs> if everyone is a sexual deviant, well, no one is. Yes, everybody's a demon now. Everybody's addicted to porn. That's just the state of the world. You don't have to redefine the words. Just objectively look at reality. The porn industry is dark as fuck. It's making me angry right now. 
They fool you with all the bright lights, the colors, the smiles. It's a good old-fashioned party on set. And you watch all those <laughs> all the young girls getting taken advantage of. It's sad shit. Cold turkey it. Like, I don't miss it. I don't watch that anymore. You're better off for it. There's fucking dark energy in that. What was he saying? Deviance isn't deviant. Yeah, that's the whole quote. <laughs> Less depressing. Kind of funny is how the porn industry has been, like, running around the entire United States. It started in Hollywood. It moved to Texas. Now it's in Miami. Slosher told the story of this guy, Tim Lake. He lived in La Jolla. He was a coitus connoisseur. Tim recorded tens of thousands of amateur pornos around the country and then opened a library in San Diego for $20 a rental. It's cool and all <laughs> until you start thinking of the thousands of 1970s parents who he convinced to have sex on camera. Ew! Tim Lake. He became the go-to for wankers in the La Jolla area. People were craving something more real than the mainstream. It was like all overproduced and so I guess a POV or whatever that what do they call it? Pornhub community? <laughs> doom, doom, doom. It's fucking uh, homemade stuff. That's what it's called. People actually wanted that in the 1970s. He said Ruben Sturman was the CEO who worked with the state in the 60s and 70s. In California, he had a network of franchised adult video stores. And so he worked with one of the congressmen to call a SWAT raid on Tim Lake's house. And they were saying, he has child porn. Go get him. This was a lie. Tim Lake had his entire thing purged. They took all of his porn. No way to make a business. That's what he spent his entire life doing. And eventually he was scrubbed of sexual offender charges, but he's barred from reopening. So they ruined his life. You want to produce some pornography for the peons? No, no. Back to the strawberry fields with you. This is um <laughs> wild, man. You They were deplatforming porn producers in the 1970s. Yeah, your business is private, but it could be shut down at any time. <laughs> At least this collapse has porn on demand for us to cope with. Chapter 5, Out of the Underground. Gonna put them all together. Cannabis, grass, ganja, chronic, sticky, icky. It's the gateway to the underworld, right? <laughs> Let me answer that query thusly. No. Weed, just like your smartphone, it's a tool. Any tool can be used or abused. The real problem that we're dancing around this episode is the concept of temptation. And so whether it's porn, drugs, extra sweet strawberries, if there's a human desire for a thing, there is a way to control people to get it. Chemicals aren't inherently good or bad. It's how we use them. It's tools, baby. Slosher writes, so long as these multinational competed with one another... Baxter thought that having all economic activity controlled by a hundred chief executives shouldn't be a problem. This unwillingness to limit corporate behavior on moral grounds has been accompanied, however, by a government crusade to judge, condemn, and punish individuals for their alleged moral failings. It's pretty funny how, like, the judge of morals is now your boss. If you tweet something bad, you are going to be fired. 
people who used to go to church on Sundays and know that if I tweeted something wrong, I would feel shame inside. But everyone's a demon for real, and no one has feelings or is in touch with things they should, <laughs> myself included. More interesting about that quote, he's saying how corporations get off for immoral acts. Meanwhile, individuals get publicly crucified. Uh, you got like Bernie Madoff gets in trouble. Meanwhile, his corporation, just like Enron, turns into 600 different shells. Goldman Sachs, they could bankrupt the economy every eight years. Oh, no, that's uh, just corporate greed. <laughs> if, you know, they say the bad apples... It's the tree that's the problem. This tree only grows rotten apples. What? It's true. That's a good one. Like, if I tried to rob a bank and then failed and then asked for a bailout, you would laugh at me. <laughs> but when a bank does it, they are smart. <laughs> Listen to this citation. Corporate inversions now cost the federal government an estimated $4 billion a year in lost tax revenue. I thought they were paying their fair share. We bailed out Goldman Sachs with our tax money because they contribute to the economy more than us underlings. Right? What are you, stupid? These people who defend Goliath Bank, they don't acknowledge that corporations dodge taxes. That quote, $4 billion a year. These people don't pay jack shit. Read the fucking Panama Papers. It's all overseas. Empires, intelligence, they know how to pimp out these black markets and use it for themselves. And yes, I'm calling taxes a fucking black market. If some people know how to get out of it. The sort of black market labor once narrowly confined to California, Slosher says, agriculture is now widespread, meatpacking, construction, garment manufacturing, the growth of the, of the underground has lowered wages, eliminated benefits, and reduced job security in these industries. That strawberry field, uh, they can't unionize because there's more Mexicans who want to come. So literally, <laughs> in the greater scheme of the world it would be better if we had a border wall I mean I'm not saying we put the wall up and forget Mexico exists let's help them there's a fucking third world country on our border <laughs> every president tolerates immigration up to the point of the labor that we need the labor we need to keep things cheap if they didn't offer $400,000 for immigration <laughs> I don't know, maybe people would have more jobs. I know you guys think I'm crazy for saying that presidents open the borders when they need work. Check out this quote. Illegal immigration has been responsible for many of these changes, yet debate on the subject is too often framed in ethnic or cultural terms. You know, let the girl in the Elsa pajamas cross the border. At its heart, it is an economic question. Huge disparities of wealth have long existed between developed and developing nations. The huge migration of the past two decades has fueled a large part shift of inequality between nations. Employers to make us the use of black market labor. If we want to be a rich country, we got to stop being pussies. Not everyone can be as rich as us. You know, those people, sorry, you were born over there. The laws are different across borders. I don't believe in borders, but I'm just saying if we want the best economy, it makes zero sense to try to be nice. 
You traveled 450 miles through the desert from a town where you were raped every night by a drug lord. Too bad. Turn the fuck around. America is full. That's right. Thinking monetarily. <laughs> Only worrying about being rich is very tempting. Like, if we were a good nation, we would try to help our neighbors, I think. America is not neutral good. We're not chaotic neutral. I honestly think America is, like, lawful evil. If America went to a psychologist, <laughs> the psychologist would say, America, you're a dangerous to yourself and others. <laughs> it's fucking true, man. We bomb people. Slosher, truly patriotic author, son of an NBC exec. He's ending his bestseller on the hidden hand. What's the goal of the invisible hand behind the scenes? We know it exists. Kennedy got killed for telling us about it. Quote, Corporate greed and misbehavior have recently shaken faith in the free market. Many abuses and injustices no longer seem tolerable. The certainties of the past 20 years have begun to crumble, and the world now seems a very different place. I'm going to sound like the Joker. Society, the world you were born in no longer exists. <laughs> We're in a world of airborne illness. A jihad terrorist is around every corner. Is it really worth it to still be worrying about weed? No, but we're still being told we should. I'll take the spiritual angle to tie it all together here. The hidden hand really is temptation. I don't think there's fucking lizards running the government. It's temptation. And these people who are more susceptible to it are at the top. That's how they got those positions. And their temptation is fucking all of us. Okay. It really is lizard people. It's Alan Dulles and the CIA. I'm saying what we can actually do <laughs> to help our situations one at a time is watch out for that temptation. It's always going to lead you into a trap eventually. And these traps are getting worse and worse. To be truly free, you got to be self-sustaining. Here comes that magic word again, decentralization. You're tempted to join the metaverse. Make a friend. Decentralize your socialization. You're tempted to get a booster so you don't have to exercise and you're healthy. Decentralize your immune system. Take vitamin D, drink water, work out, stop stressing, be happy. In every life, you have some trouble. <laughs> when you worry, you make a double. Don't worry. Get myocarditis. <laughs> Quote, A landlord said your rent is late. You'll have to litigate. Don't worry. mRNA lettuce. Quote, In a nation where about one of every 14 people takes antidepressants... <laughs> One in 14? The goal of a drug-free society seems a bit unrealistic. <laughs> Holy shit. This is the Reefer Madness book. It's gonna destroy your brain. <laughs> These happy people drugs are making you happy by making you ignorant. Um, crushing up some cannabis is like a tradition older than indoctrination. <laughs> so try not to forget that you you don't have to be shamed by other people into their drug paradigm. You could think differently than other people. It seems like it's a crime, but it's not. I don't know, man. That's what Adam Smith would say. So definitely let's smoke one for him tonight. Let's pour one out for Eric Slosher. 
listen to some reggae, don't stress over the bullshit, be grateful. Our black markets are still there. That's a lot to be happy about. And uh, let's get one more quote in here to bring us home. When it comes to interfering with what consenting adults do behind closed doors, the government should obey some useful advice. Mind your own business. (laughs) That's an East Coast philosophy, even though they are judgy. Forget about it. Mind your fucking business. Over himself, over his own mind and body, wrote John Stuart Mill, the individual is sovereign. Black markets will always be with us, but they will recede in importance when our public morality is consistent with our private one. The underground is a good measure of the progress and the health of nations. When much is wrong, much needs to be hidden. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Reefer Madness. Hell yeah, Eric Slosher, another good one. I hope that command and control book doesn't get me as angry. This guy knows how to get under your skin. Some good quotes. Hell yeah. Thank you, the listener, especially for staying tuned for a difficult edition of Nick's Nonfiction. (laughs) Might have bamboozled the stoners. Thinking we were just going to talk about wax the whole time. Got to touch on some bigger issues here on Nick's Nonfiction. And you know we'll be doing that next week. We have got a Patreon edition. This is a good one. It is The Green Book by Muammar Gaddafi. Written by the man who was once the richest human on the planet. Muammar Gaddafi knew his shit. Once a year, we got to read up on the enemy's doctrine. I like to see what the jihads are fighting for. And it's hard to admit, guy makes some good points. (laughs) He talks about democracy, governments... His private flights he would take with Beyonce. Sorry, we're going to be dropping names. It's a Patreon exclusive, so guys, definitely get signed up. I want to thank you, Patreon editioners, for keeping the train going along. It's going to get heretical week after week here on the show. Please check out uh, Harry Schwant on Instagram and patreon.com slash the niche. See you guys in seven short days with a teaser of Muammar Gaddafi's Green Book. Take it easy out there blaze up. Peace.